0: 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance.
1: We are back, folks. Once again, Biscuits Calling a Hockey Podcast. Your advice sports has been allowed to continue to exist for at least one more episode, and I'm I'm super excited, super grateful because the playoffs are around the corner. We got a lot of good stuff to talk about today. I'm Dave, by the way, and uh, you know Sean. I I I hate the intro part of the show. Don't you hate the intro part of the show? Yeah, everybody should skip the intro part. Just tap the 15 second button like three times, and then boom,
2: we're talking about hockey. You're all good, and you will miss me awkwardly explaining that I'm coming to you from Ottawa <laughs> and vaguely insinuating that it's cold out.
1: And, like, and I'm, I'm, I'm like dancing around saying your last name because like it still trips me up because I said it the wrong way for so long that mentally I want to say it the wrong way every time yeah. I say it.
2: And I can't criticize you for that because I do that to half the players in the NHL. So... <laughs>
1: Oh, man. Where do you want to start? You want to start with the east or the west? Because I, the west has been super interesting for a long time, and, and I think Florida has made the bottom. The Florida and Philly have made the bottom of the east interesting for different reasons. So I'm going to give you the Canadian choice, Ottawa choice, first first pick. What do you want to do? What do you want
2: to talk about? I, don't, I mean, it's, it's, it's weird because it's like all year long. We've been having another one of those crazy, crazy parody years. Everybody's in. Nobody's all that bad, nobody's all that good, and now we're like two weeks away from the playoffs and it's kind of not like the playoff race isn't all that good
1: is that is that like a fair comment to make uh, see I was thinking it's the opposite i I was thinking like by now usually there's like at most like two teams fighting for one spot in each conference, and that's right. it and now this year yeah,
2: it's a little it's a little more crowded but there's yeah. i mean there's only there's 16 playoff spots. There's only 18 teams still alive. There's one team in each conference that's going to miss. Yeah, because I mean Dallas. Yeah, you're right. Dallas's but tech is technically still in it, but I'm no, I'm dead. putting them. No, they're dead. I'm writing them off. Uh, Calgary, the Rangers. I'm I'm writing them off. So it's basically down to like if 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 we froze the standings today, Florida, St. Louis would each miss by one point. But the games played are 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 kinda of all over the map. So I don't know. I think out of those two, I think that the Western race is the most interesting just because of the fact that St. Louis is in it. And they might make the playoffs, even though they pretty clearly ran up the white flag at the trade deadline. See
1: it's weird too that Colorado basically was like, you know what, just give us some future stuff for Matthew Shane and, and we'll figure it out and they're see every time i want to be like the west is clearly the superior conference i remember that the two teams at the bottom there or two of the teams at the bottom there that are fighting for a playoff spot traded paul stastny for futures and traded matt duchene for futures and they're still hanging around at the bottom of the playoff race so i mean the east isn't great i mean you you look at the goal differentials on the devils and and it's there i think they're at even now and then philly's plus two florida's plus two uh columbus is actually plus seven so if you're asking me which one I think is more interesting, the West is more interesting for me just because of how the teams got there. I mean, L.A. was like, you know what, we're going to make a little move here and we're going to get better, you know, in theory with, with, with uh, enough the Ducks, they're really not going to do anything. And St. Louis and Colorado, like you said, they punted on the season, and here they are right in the mix. And if they get in, they can do some damage too. And in the yep. East, it, I the East is funny because Florida was, was I mean, I, I know I buried Florida like two months ago, and then they got on a little run here, and now – Philly, we all were like, oh, look how hard Philly is. And now Philly's kind of, you know, even Columbus, too. Columbus had that 10-game winning streak, and they're still kind of like, they're not, you know, with games in hand and stuff, that's tight. So the East is interesting to me just because of, of how it shouldn't be interesting at this point. The Devils, I think, should have probably had it sewn up, but now Florida has an easy schedule. The Devils have fewer games. Flyers are struggling. It's, I, I don't know. I just, as far as playoff races go in the NHL, this seems like it's probably the best one in a while. I feel like you 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 vehemently
2: disagree. I, you want to call I, me an well, idiot. I, to me, I I would take a race where there's, you know, a whole bunch of teams in it, and two or three of them are still going to miss. Like five teams fighting for two spots to me is, is more interesting than than five or six teams, yeah, fighting for five spots and and some seating where the seating doesn't even like Columbus and Philadelphia are are fighting it out for third in the Metro. You actually want third of the Metro when you know that that means you're going to play Pittsburgh instead of Washington. See, I don't know. I I maybe
1: I for the longest time was very much on the on the Penguins, Tampa, Nashville over everybody else bandwagon. But I mean, I still love Nashville. I they there. I just think they got bored and now they're just. You always worry about peaking too soon. Um, that's what she said and you don't want to have to, you know, try to get it up again for the for the playoffs and by get it up, I mean your your intensity level because that's that's usually a problem the second time around. I would just uh, what what? I'm just talking No, about nothing. The, Go talk, ahead. Talking talking about the playoffs here. What's so funny? I'm Absolutely. being a very serious podcaster talking about serious hockey issues. Um I, Pittsburgh they 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 seem extremely vulnerable defensively lately. Tampa you know actually I forget the Tampa and Tampa lost last night to Arizona right it was 2 nothing in the third and I kind of stopped paying yeah, attention yeah 41. so I've been saying this for weeks is that Tampa Tampa's been finding ways to win but they haven't been looking good for a few weeks and I, I'll come back to the Dan Girardi thing all the time in the playoffs where at some point if Dan Girardi's in your top four he's gonna murder you in the playoffs no matter how good your team is so I, I, the east to me feels really wide open and if Florida New Jersey, whoever gets that final playoff spot is probably going to be going in super-duper hot because they're going to have to be because, you know, if the Devils I, – I looked it up. I think if this was before Florida beat the Islanders last night, if the Devils close at, like, 5-3, and three, I think it was, Florida has to go, like, 7-2 and two with their other games. That was before the Islander game. So either way, whoever the Caps get – or probably the Caps – or whoever it is, the Caps or Tampa – the Devils, I think, are undefeated against Tampa this year. It's not, it, it, it's, it's less of a cakewalk to the conference finals no. for Tampa and Pittsburgh than I thought it was like well, two weeks ago.
2: Yeah, no, there's, I mean, there's no cakewalks anywhere. And that's, that's the thing. Like, and we're still, like, I still got people who are, who are, you know, like tweeting at me. And we, we can talk about some of the matchups in a little bit, but, you know, people are mad that Winnipeg and Nashville have to play in the second round. Yeah. Like how, how does that, how do the two of the four best teams have to play? And then it's like... It's annoying. Well, but what are you You, you expecting the top four, like teams one through four are going to make the conference final? That never happens. Like it's, we're going to wind up with a one and a four and a seven and a 12 in the conference final anyway. So, I mean, why, like I, I can kind of understand why people don't like certain first round matchups, but by the time you get past the first round, like we we got to drop the... The complaining that like the two and the four have to play in round two instead of round three because it's you know like we we're we're assuming all these matchups are gonna fall into place based on seating and they never do. You're such a socialist where you just think
1: everyone's the same. We should all meet I together am. every round. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what you've earned. No, the regular I, you season. know what? I'm
2: I'm like I'm one of those. I'm like one of your American conservatives. I don't like socialism, but I'm convinced that it's infested everything, <laughs> even against any evidence to the contrary. I, you know, this is I, I, I'm all for the days where you could pull up, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and be the New York uh, Islanders and win four straight Stanley Cups. The North American dream. But we can't do that anymore because soft millennials have, in <laughs> their participation trophies, have made given us an NHL. Where anybody can beat anyone. Speaking, of, hey, let me. Let me say, ask uh, you one question. Wait, I was going to say. Go spe-
1: speaking of yeah. participation trophies, is there anything like less le- or more anticlimactic in sports than hockey playoff clinchings? Like, I-, I can't. And there, and there it is. The Winnipeg Jets are in the playoffs. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. they are like 15 Looking points. Out, here
2: come the nights. Like, yeah. It's like there's two yeah. weeks to go. Yeah. Like, it's just. If it's the last weekend. It's it's something.
1: But like now, it's yeah. just like I don't know. I, it's an, an, another another part of the regular season that kind of isn't great It's just how like maybe in baseball
2: or it's the, different but i don't know yeah or, or you get like the the eliminations too that's always you're like with this loss the oilers yeah. are eliminated and you're like <laughs> the oilers have been out for three months <laughs> like in football that
1: that that andy dalton pass that got the the, the bills yes. into the playoffs that's never gonna happen in hockey
2: actually that's not true i can't say that <laughs> but like it's hard to find that yeah, cool. you need the final week. You need like that John McClain moment where it's yeah. Uh, but but that you, you don't get that till the final weekend. I could I could do without the. I mean, good 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 job to whoever's designing those big dramatic Twitter banners for for all of the <laughs> clinchings. But it's I don't know the dramas, the dramas not not really there. Let me ask you this: speaking of a team that may go right down to the final weekend, throw it at me. Well, I'll give you two. First, first, a comment and a question. My comment on the Western playoff race is: I really feel like we are. It's weird that the Colorado Avalanche are this close to going in the playoffs after being so bad last year, and it doesn't feel like it's a big deal. Like it doesn't feel like people are treating this as a big story. And I get why. It's because the the Golden Knights mm-hmm. have kind of ruined upsets and underdog stories for everybody else. Yep. They they have sucked all the oxygen in that room. But it's just kind of like, yeah, like a team that, like like the Avalanche last year had 48 points. The Sabres and the and the Coyotes and everyone blew by that like a month ago. And the Avalanche finished last year with 48 points. And now they're going to, without making significant cha- I mean, they, it's not like they overhauled the roster and now they're just going to go in and make the playoffs. And everyone's like, yeah, but an expansion team is, might win the President's Trophy. So what are you going to do? Like, any other
1: year, Jared Bednar would be running away with the Jack Adams. I mean, he, yeah. he, he cleaned up Patrick Waugh's mess in a year. I mean, that, that was the thing last year. I mean, we said that a bunch of times, too. Like, you really don't know what Jared Bednar was as a coach because he got there so late and the team wasn't yeah. great as is. And now you get a you get a pretty good look at what he can do. And Gerard Gallant's just, like, screaming over everybody, I am the best coach in the league! Don't, no other coach. Even John Hines, too. John Hines is kind of the same thing. It's not like he... Got some, some – well, I mean, I guess they they made a little, like, lateral trade for Vattenen, but they're not. And they got Nico, but, you know, suddenly that team has gone from unable to do anything to possibly play off-bound. And Gerard Gallant, George McPhee, Vegas – you know, it, it's just Vegas. Vegas is a city, and now Vegas is a team. Just it just dwarfs all other stories. Like if someone tells you a story and the story begins, "So I was in Denver," you're like, uh, "Whatever." But if someone goes, "Okay, but I was in Vegas," oh yeah, go on, tell me that story. And this, yeah. it doesn't matter how good the Denver story is, that, that that Denver story could involve getting chased by the cops and climbing a mountain. The Vegas story, it always wins. It's it,
2: and speaking of, of Vegas and Colorado, they might they might play in the first round and. They, I don't know if you saw the game on the weekend. That was a great
1: game. I caught the overtime. Was that the overtime? Yeah, I, yeah. Caught, I caught the overtime. By the way, was... I, I need someone out there in in, in Statsland to tell me if three-on-three overtimes go to shootouts more or if there's like fewer shot attempts because it really feels like it's— not, like I mean, you know me. I hate three-on-three overtimes, so I'm, I'm coming at it from a negative point of view. Shocker. But it does feel like three-on-three three overtime isn't as good as it was last year. And yet every time I watch an overtime and I'm watching these guys like start, cycle back out of the zone and change, and the other team changes, and all the changes are so much more disciplined now, and I'm like, oh, this is terrible. And then I go to Twitter and it's like, three-on-three three overtime, put it in my veins. I'm like It's 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 like real drugs where like it was awesome the first time, and now it's getting worse every other time. But I, I feel like I'm the only one that sees it. So if, if anyone out there knows that number... Save me the trouble of, of I, still, I
2: still like the You're right. It is
1: getting more it's, it's so, structured. Yeah, it's so structured. Structure sucks. Structure is the worst thing about hockey. Coaches, there should be a, a hockey league like the the XFL where instead of like, you know, the puck explodes or
2: whatever, they just have no coaches. So you just have to go out there and play. It'd be so much better. I've, I've suggested before, one coach behind the bench and that coach doesn't have any earphones or connections up to Mm. up to the box upstairs one coach you can have all the systems you want during the game but you got one guy back there and just just to make the job harder and just to make more mistakes and and more problems and because because we've learned over the years hockey is a sport that is at its best when people are screwing up and making mistakes Mm -hmm. And, and that's what was great about three on three and it still is like it's it's just it's weird. It's like, it has to find it's, it's rhythm. It has, it has to be going back and forth on the rushes. You got to get the, like the dueling two on ones. Yeah. You do the first screw as, up. Yeah. As soon as a team gets into the zone and doesn't shoot and like <laughs> stops and starts cycling, that's when it gets bad because there's just, there's not enough guys to to cycle to and throw it around and, Half the time, it just ends up with somebody getting frustrated and leaving the zone on their own and coming back. But and they change. Let, yeah, it's uh. let, let's let's put a pin in that one because there is there, there's there's sort of more three on three to talk about later in the show. But I, I let's come back to the playoff just in the West because my the other half of my you, your comment and your question. Yes, yeah, I did my comment. Okay, well, here's my question: St. Louis Blues are are still in it as of as we're recording this they're one point back they've got a game in hand and i've seen a lot of takes along the lines of like man like what a great job by doug armstrong mm-hmm. the last couple of deadlines because they did this last year remember last year they traded kevin shattenkirk at the deadline got a first round pick got some prospects got to the still made round, the playoffs won a series and and won a series this year they trade uh they trade Paul Stastny, get a first-round pick prospect, and potentially could make the playoffs again, and then and then we see what happens. And, and I've seen a lot of takes along the lines of that, you know, Doug Armstrong is is just playing 3D chess on everyone because <laughs> everybody else is either giving up the future to make the playoffs or giving up on the playoffs to build the future, and here's this guy coming around. And he's building the future and making the playoffs. He's getting the best of both worlds. So my question is, is Doug Armstrong doing a really great job? Or is Doug Armstrong just really bad at evaluating his own team? (laughs) Because twice in a row he's tried to sell with a team that turned out to be playoff worthy. And maybe if he hadn't sold and maybe if he had even added, the team could have done something or done even more. Uh, rather than than selling off for for draft picks that are going to help you three years from now,
1: uh, Sean, that's a great question, and I really appreciate you asking that question. It's um it's great to get such a good question this time of year at these press conferences. Um, I I, I feel like maybe, uh, you know what it is is that GMs all screw up. Like, there's no GM where you're just like, you know, he's every single movie. Not everyone thinks Steve Eiserman's maybe the best GM in hockey. Have you seen Ryan Callahan's contract? Have you seen his production? Like that's a really bad contract. That's a ha- Dan Girardi. Every every GM makes mistakes, but I, I do feel like there's some something to be said about being smart, like he is at the deadline. The Rangers try to do the same thing. They try to sell guys and then maybe still hang around and and sneak that or sneak into the bottom half of the playoffs there into the wild card. I I I think maybe he's. I mean, this year, I don't think we really expected too much from the Blues. So maybe he's thinking, well, you know what? Anything we get in terms of the playoffs is just gravy. You know, if we can get a first-round pick and then get three home games in the in the first round and lose, like, that makes that makes management happy. That makes me happy. And, and the other thing, too, I, like, we're so stats-driven. We're so numbers-driven. I don't want to discount what telling your players, hey, you know what, you're not good enough, so we're trading Paul Stastny, what that might do. To light a fire under those guys I don't know if that's the case I'm not watching St. Louis every day but I, I feel like maybe that's more the case this year because I think it was Braden Shen came out and was like you know what you don't believe
2: in us it's like it's like Ricky Vaughn in major league right you know yeah but Shen it, it didn't come across like you like seen? that like it, it, that comment to me came across more like a guy who just realized his GM had quit on him and was like yeah I thought we were trying to make the playoffs here but I guess there's other priorities like it wasn't, it didn't seem like a nobody believes in a circle. Maybe it turned into that. Maybe not necessarily a nobody
1: believes in us, but just like a, a, a like it just pisses you off. You know what I mean? Like I, mean,
2: I, I, I. I, I, I mean, it might, but I mean, you can, there's, there's pissed off. So I'm going to go out and work harder and there's pissed off. So I'm going to mail sulk, it in. Sulk about it. That's, yeah. That, that's the risk. And my question is like, what happens if the blues miss the playoffs by one point after they made that trade? Like Tampa last year, right? Tampa did the same thing. Like Tampa, yeah. exactly. Steve Eiserman and, you know, nobody... I, I guess that answers my question because nobody criticized Steve Eisenman. I You know, I, I think I was one of the only ones and people looked at me like I had two heads when I suggested that selling at the deadline and then missing by one point to one of the teams you sold to mm-hmm. might not be fantastic work. So I guess, yeah, Doug Armstrong will probably still get... A lot of applause, but it it that strikes me as odd given I know we don't want to get down this rabbit hole again, but given that the heart trophy debate has taught me that making the playoffs oh, is God. the only thing that matters, here we go. <laughs> let, let me just throw one scenario at you. Because yes, there's, there's, a, there's a very realistic heart trophy scenario in play right now. Give it to me, <laughs> and that's this. Okay, Nathan yes. McKinnon, okay, and the Colorado Avalanche finish with. 95, 96 points Mm -hmm. and missed the playoffs, Taylor Hall and the New Jersey Devils could finish with 92 points and make the playoffs. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: So does that mean Taylor Hall and his worst team was more valuable than Nathan McKinnon and his better team because Taylor Hall is in a conference where you can make the playoffs with fewer points? Or... Or does the fact that Taylor Hall got the worst team into the
1: playoffs prove how valuable he is? Because we all agree that's the worst team.
2: Oh man, genius brain! I'm yeah. I I, I, I hope the Avalanche making the playoffs comes down to the last day of the season. First of all, because it would just be fun to have a race not be decided by the with a week to go. But I just I think it would be it's it would be great high stakes going into a game knowing that if the Avalanche win. Nathan McKinnon is the consensus MVP of the entire league. And if they lose, nobody's even allowed to vote for him. I'm getting the sense that people want to
1: give it. So, look, I, I don't want to make this an MVP thing. We, 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 really, <laughs> we, we really talked about it before we did this. We're like, this is going to be a good good podcast. We're not you going to don't talk MVP. Want MVP talk. Just
2: skip ahead about yeah. 45, 50 minutes. Right back track.
1: Just, it just seems to me for like a month. There was this segment of Twitter that was Nikita Kucherov this, Nikita Kucherov that, and there's nothing wrong with making the case for Nikita Kucherov, but it just seemed like that was... If you said Taylor Hall's name or Nathan McKinnon's name, somebody threw Nikita Kucherov at you. And it seems as though the moment that Connor McDavid overtook Nikita Kucherov in the points lead, suddenly it was, man, we got to give it to McDavid. All the Kucherov people ceased to exist and became McDavid people, and I, I... there is. I'm not saying that there is. There's so much more than points. Like points and goals are the are you, what you want from your players. But the idea that suddenly Nikita Kucherov is not as valuable as Connor McDavid because Connor McDavid has four more points in like 72 games than than Kucherov and you're bailing on Kucherov because of that. It's not the most outstanding player award. I get it. Connor McDavid is the most outstanding player in hockey. He, if there is that award, he would win it for the next 10 years. But you just—it's just—it's you can't just give it to the guy that has the most points. But I, based on how I've seen voting in the years past, I really feel like Connor McDavid
2: might win. Like I, I just Connor McDavid like, isn't going to win, but he's going to get more votes than people think. I don't know, man. I could see him coming coming second. There, there are enough. I don't even want to necessarily say old school types, but there, there are enough people out there who just think that you can't. You can't be MVP if your team misses the playoffs, or you can't be MVP if your team misses the playoffs by a lot, which is a weird distinction to me. Because I mean, you you make it or you don't. If if you're if you miss by a point, you're you're still mm-hmm. you still didn't go. But yeah, I it, the, the Kucherov thing is weird because he ran away with, like even in the midseason ballot, like he ran away with that, and now it feels like there's like I think a lot of people are going to be casting ballots that he's he's not on and partly that's just i think cuz he like his his campaign just peaked too early like people talked about him for the whole first half and they got bored of it but i you know i'll i'll just say this I, and, and again I, you know i push back on the idea that it's all about making the playoffs and and like and and in a close way you have to be close to making the playoffs like you know like that that evgeny malkin isn't Considered a real serious candidate because Pittsburgh's good. Of course, they're going to make playoffs, and that kind of hurts Kucherov a little bit too. Because I mean, the Oilers are right now. The Oilers are 16 points back of the playoffs, which is a huge gap. It's a lot. But the Tampa Bay Lightning are 21 points up on the playoff cutoff. So, you know, I I know you can say, well, yeah, if, if the Oilers didn't have Connor McDavid, so what would they? They'd be 20 points back instead. So what? I mean, if the Lightning didn't have Nikita Kucherov and the Hart Trophy is apparently all about making the playoffs, that, I mean, they would have still made the playoffs. They could have been missing him, and they'd, they'd still be comfortably in the playoffs. So I don't know. I don't... I can't, I can't, I,
1: wait, I can't I, wait to see your ballot. You're so stressed I, over it already. I can't wait yeah, to see it. Yeah, I
2: can't, you know, and... and
0: uh,
2: yeah. I, That's why McKinnon and Hall know, are and such good weird. candidates. This like is, McKin- this McKinnon. is a they, relatively new twist on the debate like it feels like I, I don't remember no, previous years having but it's not this much I've seen it in other
1: sports but uh, I mean last year we were talking about Kucherov if Tampa got in at the end of the shoot, remember how much Kucherov support was happening yeah, at the end of last there was, year
2: was but that was like in the should he get votes way. like everyone knew McDavid was going to win last year yeah and and you know maybe that's because most years the MVP is on a good team and and that's that's it but I mean you know I don't remember there being a big outcry when when Lemieux won when they missed the playoffs. I mean, Gretzky won the MVP, whatever, like eight years in a row on teams that were making the playoffs by 50 points and you know could have easily still been the best team in the league without him. And yet people just went like, yeah, it's Wayne Gretzky, he's the best player. That's the MVP, done. Nobody was sitting there arguing that like, mm-hmm. you know, Pete Peters needed to win because the ca- he carried the capitals or whatever. <laughs> Pete Peters. So... <laughs> Didn't he come second one year? I think he
1: did. I'm just thinking about his parents naming him Pete. Like, what are you doing? Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Pete Peters. He and he Feder Fedorov are the Feder Fedorov, yes. Good pal. So yeah. anyways, I, I just this is my this is my long mm-hmm. way of saying that I'm I, I'm at the point now with this hard debate. I just want to see maximum chaos. I want to see I want to see the devil's make the playoffs with fewer points than the avalanche and then we all try to figure out well, what about this what if the devils maybe? make the playoffs with 92 and the avalanche miss with 95 exactly that's what i'm saying oh i thought you were saying I they both I, get in and, and no no i want i want like the avalanche to miss with a better record uh chaos. and then people sit around and go yeah but you see taylor hall's value to his two was what geography was the playoff like did he invent the playoff format Anyways, one McKinnon. thing we should keep in mind with Taylor Hall, though, mm-hmm. and I think he should get some MVP votes, you got to remember, whatever team he's on always wins the draft lottery, and that was a big moment for the Devils, so I feel like he should get credit for that. It should be McKinnon or Hall.
1: That's, uh, those, those are the two guys. Those are the two guys we should all be looking at. Anyone else, you're throwing away your
2: vote at this point. Is, is... I feel like at this point, McKinnon's going to win if the Avalanche make the playoffs. If they don't, then it's kind of chaos. This and if, a... if and if McKinnon and Hall both miss the playoffs, then we're screwed because yeah. then all <laughs> yeah. the people who spent the last month <laughs> banging the drum for those two guys and against Connor McDavid because you have to make the playoffs are going to be left flailing around. They're either going to have to double back and start saying that it's OK if you miss the playoffs by a little bit, which will sound ridiculous, or they're going to have to like th- this is how we wind up with like Brad Marchand as the MVP of the league. And then we look back in five years and go, what the hell? How did we do that? See, I also hate the whole looking back on votes thing, like the year Lemieux won
1: it or how Gretzky won it, because I, I bring this up all the time when Hall of Fame stuff comes around, but like everyone likes to point out how Sergei Zuboff didn't finish at a certain level in Norris voting back when he played. Go go back and look at those Norris ballots, man, on Hockey Reference. There are some stupid votes for stupid defensemen who weren't. Like, guys like... Uh, I don't want to say Mark Tenorti got a bunch of votes one year, but somebody like that like some stay at home guy with like two goals and four assists in seventy five games was getting as many votes as zuboff and it's just i I hate that my, I hate my favorite it on one, that.
2: i i wrote last I wrote a piece last year about like weirdest trophy weirdest like award votes mm-hmm. my favorite one and this you know again you you want to talk about somebody taking the whole m v p thing literally in terms of team value eighty eight Sean Burke got a Hart Trophy vote. I don't mm. think it was a first place vote, but he was like on somebody's ballot and he played 12 games that year. What? But he had, he got called up as a rookie after the Olympics, came in the final month, started like 12 games, went 10-1-1. The Devils, the Devils made the playoffs by one point on the final night of the season. And somebody out there was like, Hey, who's who's more valuable than that? Take him out of the picture. They don't make the playoffs for the first time in franchise history. That's hmm. my MVP. That's interesting. That's that's some that, that's like that's like
1: Gary Sanchez the year he came up for the Yankees. I know this isn't a baseball podcast, but he hit like thirty home runs in like three months, and people were like, "Oh, maybe we should consider Gary." And you didn't play the whole season. Blah blah blah. You can make. I'm 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 actually okay with the idea of putting Sean Burke on your ballot that year, but. I don't know. I don't know, man. This nope. this whole MVP thing this year is just absolutely going to drive
2: me insane. It really is. It will. Join well, us next week when we <laughs> when we continue when, this debate, but we've like swapped positions and we don't even realize right. it. And I'm advocating for Taylor Hall, and you're on uh, Team Connor McDavid. Well, speaking of value, you know,
1: you know what I value around here? Sponsors. So we're going to take a break for the real MVP, the people that put money in our pockets. So we'll be right back with. Uh, Some more Taylor Hall talk, stupid, idiot Taylor Hall talk. Not that he's the idiot, but the talk will be idiotic. We'll be right back.
2: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
1: uh Sean brought up a, uh, a fun scenario. I think you should just tell the people what you just told me about how you want to see
2: the scoring race end because you're capping chaos today. Well, because we were we were talking in the break about how we promised we weren't going to do hard trophy and then we just did 15 minutes on it. And the other topic we promised we wouldn't touch on is goalie interference. So we should just touch on it then. Just do it. We should touch on it. And, and <laughs> I said that I was hoping that those two topics would come together and that like Evgeny Malkin would win the scoring race on the final day on a goaltender interference disputed call. Have the goal stand, have him pass Connor McDavid, and then win the MVP so that we can combine the two topics everyone is sick of and that everyone has strong opinions about, and the hockey world will melt down and end. Uh, that is that is the end game for us, isn't it? Just finding a way for, for hockey to Yeah, chaos and the end of hockey. That's all we want. Yep. Everybody <laughs> in the hockey world is conspiring to make hockey more and more boring and predictable. I want chaos. Chaos. thats our—that's our That's our business plan. Chaos, the end of hockey, profit. Exactly. Confusing the hey, profit speaking part. Speaking of chaos and unpredictability, <laughs> Twitter God. is a great source of news. Is it? Uh, I guess this wasn't really Twitter. This was the, the the George Laroque thing. It was it was a radio show, right? It was French radio in Montreal, radio. So, I, and then it takes off on on Twitter because most of us probably weren't listening to to French radio.
1: <laughs> I, so here here's the story. If you haven't heard it, you probably have because misinformation spreads further than actual information. But George LaRock went on his radio show. I'm not even sure if he hosted or if he was just a guest or what his deal is. But um, he went on the radio and said that back in his Edmonton days, uh, this is not go- this is not going to become another uh, MVP to be. But Taylor Hall apparently went into some sort of rehab clinic for an addiction issue. And he went on the radio and said it. And of course, because George Laroque, former player, went on the radio and said it, it kind of became a thing. It got translated. It got written into blogs. It got tweeted and retweeted and all that stuff. And guess what? It wasn't true. It was, something, it was something that an agent, he said, told him. And by the way, if you know the name of the agent, you know, hit hit me up because I will tweet the name of the agent if you have actual credible proof of what... Because George LaRock, an agent told him this and he went with it. And I would like to know who the agent is spreading the misinformation probably in the hockey world too about Taylor Hall. But the point is, is just... Like, like we all screw up. We all make mistakes. I'm not saying like George LaRock should never be allowed on the radio ever again. But even if it's true... Even if Taylor Hall really did have an addiction issue that he got treatment for in Edmonton, why why are you telling people this? Why would you let the world know? Even if you got it like triple, quadruple verified, and you had video of Taylor Hall like at the rehab clinic, why why would you let the world know this? It's not news. It's not newsworthy. It's not
2: right. You know what I mean? Like and there it, there are. I mean, in the, the NHL, has a program in place that's supposed to be confidential and anonymous, and there's yes. people who have used it that we never hear about because that's kind of part of the deal is that you know if, if you want to encourage people to take advantage of this they have to feel like some ex-player isn't going to go on the radio and tell everyone
1: yeah like like, but, like what, 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 reason, what what
2: is but, he getting out of that like is he going to well, get like a boost in ratings in french canada like i don't understand why you're do it but here's here's the thing here's here's why it became more of a story than than it typically was i mean you know you, you hear rumors about Players or about people in the hockey world and uh from time to time, and usually they just kind of come and go and and you know this this obviously was a little bit more than a rumor this is this is an ex player going on the radio and and talking about something but the reason is that the implication was that this was going on around the time that of the trade, and of course Peter shirelli and the Oilers have been ripped top to bottom for that trade constantly for the last couple of years for the Taylor hall Adam Larson one for one trade mm-hmm. and yeah. the implication was, well, you know, he, they, he, there's another side of the story, which is that this was out there and that the league knew about it. And that's why the value wasn't high. And that's why they had to take what they can get. And, oh. and I don't know if that's, if, if George, I don't know if George the rock is still connected to the Oilers. Obviously he's a former oiler. So, um, it, it wouldn't surprise me if, if he was, was maybe looking to give them a bit of a, a bit of a boost. Um, but I, I think the conversation was in the context of, you know, whether so Taylor Hall would have come to Montreal or something. But there was, you know, th- there were those in the Oilers world that then jumped on that. Because, I mean, this is one of those topics where if you're in the Oilers media or you're an Oilers blogger or you're an Oilers fan with a social media presence, like you've had to take a side on this. Either Taylor Hall for Adam Larson was a terrible trade or it was a great trade and, and you know, people don't understand and it's more than numbers and all this And so if you were on that, you know, route for the home team, it was a good trade train, this was, this here was a gift because you could run with this and say, aha, see, there was something the rest of us were missing and Peter Chiarelli did the best he could. And my team is not run by simpletons. My team is, is smart and good and pure. And that's why they made this trade. And then, you know, two days later, George LaRock comes out and says, I'm 100% wrong. And everybody has to go, whoops. Mm, man. And of course, nobody else actually stands up and says, I retract the article I wrote or my tweet or any of that. They all just act like they knew it all along because that's the world we live in today where you can be repeatedly wrong about everything and it doesn't matter. No one ever deletes the viral tweet. That's incorrect ever. They just, No, nope, exactly. They just never do it. Slap on the oops, I was wrong tweet that gets seven likes. And- man.
1: I know. Two retweets. Let me, let me, I swear to God, let me find out Pete Giorelli was the guy that that was behind leaking this out so he wouldn't look like such an ass for the job he's done there.
2: Please,
1: please let, let me find that out. Oh my. And and the other part of that too is like, okay, so let's, let's say that was part of the trade. Let's say Taylor Hall's like, you know what? I have an addiction issue. I need to go get it treated. And then he goes and gets it treated. And then the others are like, yeah, we got to get rid of this guy. Like, how does that, how does that make the Oilers look good? Yeah. You know, like that's not even really helpful to the so maybe creating an
2: asset at its lowest value <laughs> and also trading a person at a time when in theory they would uh not re- necessarily benefit from that. Yeah, I don't know. And and again, like we should <sighs> we should emphasize Yeah. George the Rock came out and said I was 100% wrong. Right, he, did. So, he, he and did. He apologized to Taylor Hall. I mean, the 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 horse is out of the I mean, this Is the thing right? Like three years from now, we will still be hearing people go, No, wasn't there a thing with Taylor Hall and rehab and like the horse is out of the barn, right? Like, you once once you put this out there, but George Leroy did at least you know come out and and fairly forcefully acknowledge that that he was wrong. But the best, so he, I mean, he was wrong, he was wrong on the facts, he was also wrong to bring it up in the first place, he's wrong on a lot
1: of levels. I also love too, like if you if you go to that tweet and then you like go to the replies, there are people in the replies who are like, you know what, George, this makes me like you more. Like what what is yeah. wrong with people? Like, oh this makes me respect you more. How? How 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 much can you like hockey players where they can't do anything wrong and this thing makes you like them more? Oh, good job, George. You, you apologize to him. Like I mean it's the nice that he apologized, so but low,
2: Jesus what it means to apologize on uh, so like the fact that he didn't just Say, I'm sorry if anyone was offended. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry if Taylor Hall was offended by my 100% incorrect.
1: It was an limo. apology for sure. You, you apo- it I was. Right. But. but I don't know. I just, it's like, imagine if like Bob McKenzie did it. Do you think Bob McKenzie's still still working at TSN tomorrow? Like, he probably is. He's too good. He, would, he wouldn't do that anyway, but. Wouldn't.
2: He never would. That's the thing. You know, it's, and it's, <sighs> and yeah, I mean, this, this. Oh. This is the, and you know, this is the thing, you know, and, and, and the, the insiders, the true insiders know this, but there's so many other people out there who have access to a person here or somebody else there. Like, you know, just because somebody in the NHL tells you something doesn't mean it's true. Sometimes, sometimes they're wrong because they've, even though they're trying to tell it to you with, with some, make it sound authoritative that they're, they're actually hearing it third hand from somebody else. So they might be wrong. Also, sometimes people lie once in a while yeah. it happens they Sometimes have agendas people just lie like and i see that even all the time even on you know some of these like trade rumors where it'll be like well you know the we're hearing that the offer was this or that and i'm like yeah maybe it is but maybe the person who told you that is lying because they're trying to manipulate the market or get side of the story out there or whatever else so like every every, it, every
1: time i read a darren dragger tweet back in the day when dave known was still at toronto and the tweet was about the leafs like i instantly yeah. rolled my eyes i was just like i don't i, I
2: don't trust this whatever it is yeah, you know yeah just it's stuff it's, like that you know t- teachable moment because we're we're in we're getting into that era where like everyone's going to be an insider in some way because everybody is going to know somebody who works for somewhere just go go easy like leave leave the insider stuff to the real insiders who have who can double and triple check and have a sense of right. what really needs to be out there. And, you know, just, just because you heard something doesn't mean you need to, to, to put it out there. Uh, you know, I'm not saying sit on stuff, you know, is true. I mean, if, if you, you know, we're, we're media, we should want true things to be revealed, but think it over and and understand that, you know, just cause you tweet it or post it on some little Facebook group that not many people see or say it on a French radio station or say it on a podcast. <laughs> like, doesn't or, mean it's
1: like only it, for that audience. That get or, there. or or if you know something about Garth Snow's contract and how he seems to be unable to be fired, exactly. maybe maybe that's one you, you go with. I don't know. Maybe.
2: But that's been uh, that that's I've seen that reported since then. Mm. Yes, so, Bob McKenzie which, is the, on uh, the uh, the is Chris is it Chris Boda, Boda, the, Chris Botta, the Islanders beat writer. Yeah, Chris Botta took a hatchet to Garth Snow
1: over the weekend. Did you see that? Oh yeah. I mean, it, it's it's weird because the, the Garth Snow thing was always weird for me because it, it always felt like analytics stats people loved Garth Snow, and I could never sort of like pinpoint the the reasons for it. You know what I mean? Like it always seemed like the people on Twitter that loved the job Garth Snow did were more of like the You know people that would like tweet out graphs and those circles with the with the ink blots on them and stuff
2: and i can never i can never figure out why they just tweet out and they're like oh interesting and you're looking at like (laughs) all right i see a big circle around travis hammock is that good the circle's blue Other someone else's circle is red, but it's small. I don't know.
1: I always figure out those graphs based on the names of the people in them. So, like, if if the one side has like you know McDavid and like Malkin, I'm like, okay, okay, that's good. Over there is the good part of the graph. That's good stuff. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but like, I I where is Roman Polak? Okay, there he is. Okay, so this is the bad (laughs) bad backwater. But I wonder people around, like, there's, this is what I always say about people who come to New York. Like, if you come to New York as an athlete and you play football, baseball, basketball, like, yeah, like, you're you're, going to be in the eye of the storm. But hockey, I mean, there's really not a whole, like, I always say, like, Larry Brooks will, will go to take you to task if he feels like it. But outside of that, like, there's really not, like, yeah, like, I'll write some negative stuff, but who cares what I say? Like, I'm nobody. People with Cart Snow, like, just kept giving him passes. It was just, you know, look at this. Because, like, he would always do just enough where you'd say, oh, he made that trade. Or, like, oh, he picked up that guy. Well,
2: I mean, his trade record is really good. In fact, I mean, pretty much his whole second line this year is guys he just stole via trade, mostly from the Oilers. mm Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, you, if you leave someone in a job for twelve years, they're going to figure out something eventually. <laughs> they're going to eventually well, and, make a trade. Plus, it's also possible. I, I know this as a as a Leafs fan, having been through the Brian Burke era. It is possible for a GM to be really good at trading and just not Nothing good else. at the rest of the job, and it doesn't add up to uh, to success. But yeah, if, if, if like I, I maybe it's just me. I love columnists going in on team management. Because you don't see it very much, and a lot of times it's only at a after a tipping point where you feel like maybe a decision's already been made or or a relationship's already been severed. But I I really like there've been some really good ones out of Buffalo this year, but this one was like I was reading it like wow I mean it wasn't it it wasn't oh the Islanders need to really think about maybe change it like it was Garth yeah. Snow should be fired today <laughs> before you finish like, it, reading it, this part the end of the season it wasn't like. No, it was like now. Ice this guy now. So it was it was strong work. Because he, he's in charge now of what happens with John Tavares. Like he's like he's this is the guy that will well, now I determine mean, the future of the islanders again and it's John crazy. Tavares is in charge of what happens to John Tavares now. Yeah that's true. Carter Snow was in charge up until the trade deadline and Yeah. How'd that work yeah. out? How'd that Boy, work out? That's that's gonna be a mess. Uh God this uh, let's let's just because we said we'd double back on it. Uh, Sunday night Yeah, it was Sunday night Oilers and Ducks Big game for Anaheim They need the two points In Edmonton, game goes to overtime Did you see Um, this, this Sunday uh, night, I believe I Sunday night no. for, Because I, I suspect there's probably a lot of people out there Who are not All that tuned in on Edmonton Oilers hockey These days the TD the teams go to overtime. Three on three. Dave's favorite. Love it. Anaheim Ducks win the faceoff. They circle back behind their own net to regroup. Pretty standard. And then they stay there. They stay behind their own net. Eventually, an oiler comes close enough to sort of push them out. They They kind of skate around their own zone a little bit and go back behind the net. No. Circle around a few times. They spent... No. A full minute, the first minute of overtime. Why? Sitting just in their own zone, making no effort to break out. And the reason they did this, presumably. To get a point. Is that. No, they already have is a no, point. No, not even to get the point. Yeah. The reason they did it, because Connor McDavid was on is it. the most terrifying player in the league <sighs> in general, but certainly at three on three. Yeah. And but... they were basically waiting out his, for he, he was starting overtime for the Oilers and they basically were waiting out. His first shift, and what was really interesting is, you could tell that they had been told, rag the puck for the first minute, do not cross center for the first minute, because as soon as that clock hit four minute, like four minutes left to play in overtime, they went up the ice. McDavid didn't hadn't gone off yet, but it was it was obviously the end of his shift. They went up the ice, and as it happened, they go up the ice, and as soon as they go in the other zone, they score the winning goal and win the game. But okay. after a full minute of just intentionally killing time in order to ride out the Connor McDavid shift and get him off the ice, him and Draisaitl I'm assuming we're on together and get anybody else on the Oilers out there. Okay, first of all,
1: as much as I hate this, genius, that's genius. But I don't understand if you're if you're stationary and Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl are stationary why would Leon Dreisidel and Connor McDavid ever leave the ice before Anaheim eventually moves the puck up? What, like, what well, are they? What are they this, tired this from? This is it,
2: right? This is you know my, because the thing is, is one of those things. As soon as you saw it, you're like, okay, this is not going to be the last time we see this. This yeah. is going to happen a lot, and it's it's actually tough. You know, your your first thought is, well, j- go get the puck if you're the Oilers, go after them. But it's it's three on three. Oh, you can't like, do it. No, if a team wants to just, I mean. The beauty of three-on-three three is it's wide open and it's much harder to stop a team on offense. The, the downside, and we, we haven't really hit yet, but we're probably about to, is that it's a lot harder to, to. I mean, you know, if a team just wants to rag the puck in their own zone, pass it back and forth from the sideboards to behind their net, and it's it's going to be pretty tough to take it away. And it was, I mean, it, I, I feel like we're going to look back at this as... the. Time that Randy Carlisle broke over time. <laughs> of all the people to do it too. And like there was a lot of Oiler fans who were like Todd McClellan just got outsmarted by Randy Carlisle. Which but, feels like it should be a firing offense on its own. But I, yeah, I, I mean that, oh, it, But why do they,
1: why did they take McDavid off the well, like why did McDavid go to the bench? Why did he, he why wouldn't he, he just stay out to, there?
2: He had not gone to the bench, but you know, even, even if you're not, you know, even if if the ducks are doing this, like you're still you know you're still skating out there. I wonder if that's going to be the the counter is that McClellan tells Conrad David if the other team does this, you just stand at center ice, yeah, and don't move that's easily solvable. I think it's still and, stupid, and, it's annoying,
1: well, yeah, Co- but coaches we knew coaches would find a way to ruin th- ruin three on three, and I thought it, it, it was I thought it would be with
2: line changes, it. not with ragging the puck in your own zone and and the, until uh, until the other teams start now I mean obviously this is something that only it's a strategy that's perfect for the Oilers because they're, they've got two terrifying forwards that play together and not much else that you're going to worry about. Right. Whereas, you know, it's not like you you couldn't do this against the Penguins or, or the lightning, but yeah, I, you know, it's one of those things where you're, you know, and if this happened in the NFL, we'd have a new rule instantly, like like instantly saying, you know, if it's, it's a penalty, if you have the puck in your own zone for longer than whatever, but, this is the NHL and we will not because the GMs just finished their meetings and they don't even if they, they, they don't have that, to do anything again until so all you do is put a clock
1: in you just say if there's if there's no player if it's if there's no player from the other team in the in the offensive zone the forecheck, if the blue line out is clear, you have mm-hmm. 10 seconds to get it out of the zone 10 or, seconds, or you game. just
2: you just tell the referee and if a team is not making an effort to advance the puck that's delay a game.
1: Just, yeah just do what they did in the Tampa Philly situation and just blow the whistle and have a face off and then you can yeah. try and do it again i guess but it is genius though i do i i i do appreciate the ingenuity of being like look we can't skate with Connor McDavid and Leon and we need a point so here's what we're going to do it's, mm-hmm. it's 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 funny how like every coaching initiative that they come up with it, that that's good makes it worse for the fans you know like there's never like a coach who's just like i got this great idea that's gonna what is it oh it's called the left wing lock oh that
2: sounds terrible i don't want to do that Uh... someday someday there's going to be some like nhl equivalent of like chip kelly is going to show up Uh, you know i'm not going to finish that thought that's what i mean Trying to, I was trying to talk myself into it, but then in my mind I was picturing like that guy coming up through junior and then getting a job in the AHL, and I was like, no, there's no way he gets to all those different
1: stages. Um, see, I, I was picturing like the like Chip Kelly on the bench, like somehow incorporating like a stick handling goalie into the power play somehow. You know, like he's got him up ice, like working the point, moving the puck
2: around. Like, oh man, this guy's crazy. He's got a six on four happening. Man, he's really thinking outside the box. I, I honestly think that is you are going to see that someday. You will see goaltenders get more involved in coming out and playing. Uh, also, kind of semi-related, you see uh, Kuznetsov last night. He tried tried it. the lacrosse yeah, move. Yeah. We are like, I'm going to say five years away from that being a very common sight in the NHL and working a lot. I think you're going to see, because half the players can do it today. They can at least do it in practice. They can at least pull it off. Like this isn't, you know, 20 years ago when... Uh, you know, when, when the guy did it in college and I everything, mean, it blew everyone's minds. Like most people can can at least come close to doing it. It's just the idea that you're not supposed to do it, which is preventing guys from, from doing it. It's there's gonna be somebody out there who can do it with a high success rate, and they're not gonna do it during the season because it's not worth getting yelled at, but they're gonna break it out in like overtime of the playoffs, and people are gonna lose their minds. See so you- and then five years from now. Everybody's going to do it. You're going to see it once or twice a week, and people are going to be like, "Why didn't why were why didn't guys do this forever? Like, why why wouldn't you score if you knew how to score?" All right, I have three quick
1: thoughts before we go to the questions because we got like ten minutes here. One is I I think you're right because how often do you see a guy score on a true wraparound where he just beats the goalie to the to the post along the ice? It almost never happens. David mm-hmm. Clarkson got a forty five million dollar contract based on his shot totals because he kept doing wraparounds that were never yeah. going to happen. Right, and I, so, goalies p- who have like
2: eight feet of pads spread yeah. across the
1: yeah like every goalie is 6'5 right. like you're never going to beat like his left leg or his right leg to the post so there's that idea so that's why I like that um, now I've forgotten all my other thoughts I, I had, like, two other thoughts. Oh, we thought we were talking about wraparounds. We were talking wrap about around, the lacrosse move. Because you know, he oh, reminds me of. Oh, is, oh I was going to oh. say the, the, the lacrosse move, I don't think it can work because did you watch the skills competition? Like, Tyler Sagan had to, like, pick up the puck and put it on his blade to get it to, like, the second target. Like, I don't know how quickly yeah. it's going to
2: happen. But... I'm not saying everybody can do it. I'm saying, like, because <laughs> I, well, I tweeted uh, this. I was like, you know, guys are going to start doing this. And people were, like, tweeting me, like, there's like, there's four guys in my beer league team who can, do, who can pull that move off sometimes like it's not it reminds me of do you remember the first time you saw somebody shoot between their legs like pull the puck back between their legs and flick it from there oh yeah yeah, 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 and you were just like oh my god like i you know gretzky never did that lemieux never did it i don't think burry ever burry might have been one of the first you're just like just blew your mind and then like within a few years like merrick malik is doing it in the shootout (laughs) and you're like "Eh, okay yeah and now everybody does it like every fourth line scrub is getting a rebound off the boards and going between his legs. It's going to be like that.
1: Oh, my other thought, too, was was that the thing that I think will happen not as quickly as the lacrosse move is the change-up. Like, I think the change-up shot is going to be a thing probably, like, long after we're, we've left the planet. But I remember I remember the first time seeing it. I think Alexei Kovalev did it in an All-Star game. He was on a breakaway, and he just kind of, like, half-armed it, and the goalie just he couldn't get It's almost like the Forsberg move in a way where you're just yeah. using the goalie's momentum against him. And Tarasenko, I mean Kucherov, obviously does that on his, on his. But Tarasenko kind of did it by accident a couple days ago, where he got his shot kind of blocked, but like it mm-hmm. was blocked up by like the shaft of the stick, so the puck ended up coming off slower and it messed up the goalie's timing. So yeah,
2: he just you, flipped it in.
1: Yeah, you got to be gutsy to do it because if you're on a breakaway and you intentionally flub the shot and it just goes right
2: yeah. to the goalie's pad, it's bad. But that that it might be terrible, the new thing. That's you're gonna see that it's gonna be lacrosse moves, change ups, and guys. Learning how to dump the puck in and so that it bounces right in front of the goal, yes, and scoring that way, yeah. and and people are going to be furious about all of them because <laughs> this is the NHL and you're not supposed to score it's disres- if it makes somebody else feel bad.
1: All right, we got some questions. Qu- questions. We got five minutes here. Let's go through them. I don't know if this is true or not. I'm, I'm going to do the thing I just yelled at George LaRock for. I'm just going to read something <laughs> on the microphone. Zachary Buffington says, what do you think about Vegas being exempt from losing
2: a player to Seattle in the expansion draft? That's got to be they true. Are. That feels true. It is It is true, and oh, it's yeah. true for two reasons. First of all, they've always done it this way. Whenever there's been, like, expansions, multiple expansions in a short period, the, the new expansion team doesn't end up having to lose a player. Uh, it, that's That's just always the way it's been done uh and specifically in this case i believe that vegas does not get a cut of the expansion money i think that's part of their agreement is because they're brand new they don't get like their Hmm. their share of the 650 so if if they're not getting a cut of the money then no they they don't they don't have to lose lose a player at all the the one thing i am interested in because i know a lot of people are like oh they're going to change the expansion rules because vegas was so good and it's like seattle's paying 650 million they're not changing anything the one other thing I could see, and I, and I didn't see anything about this, so maybe they've already decided not to do it, but typically in the past, if you lost a goalie in expansion, you didn't have to protect a goalie the next time. And I haven't heard anything about that, so maybe the teams that lost goalies to Vegas are, are out of luck, but but typically they would get exempt from from being able to lose another goaltender. Jamal Artis, who is getting fired and who should be
1: fired but won't be this offseason? Yeah, we have we've had so few firings. We haven't had,
2: I mean, we haven't had any other than Ron Francis than, than Francis is the GM. And that wasn't even yeah, a firing. That, right. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, the, there is going to be black Monday or I guess black Sunday, maybe because, because most of the teams finish on Saturday. It's going to be crazy this year. I think there's going to be a ton of guys getting fired, but who and, and what combinations? I don't know. The latest out of Detroit is it sounds like Ken Holland might stick around oh, as is that GM. Tr- is that true? Yeah, Craig Custance was saying that he he had heard that he somebody had told him they would be surprised if he didn't sign an extension
1: hmm.
2: to remain as GM. So, I mean, that to me, that's going to be almost more fun than the guys who do get fired is the fans who are just furious. Like the Canadians already came out and said Bergevin's staying, but I, I feel like there's enough fans that didn't really believe them that <laughs> you're, you're going to see. Like they're not really going to start flipping cars until it's like the draft. mid-May and they're like, wait a second. <laughs> Right, how, how does that work in montreal do they like train to flip the cars because they're also so good at it like no, it's it's instinct is it it's it's just a wonderful instinct where <laughs> they hear the final siren of an important hockey game and it's just flip flip and light in one motion it's beautiful let's do one more this is my... i got a good one here actually this was from last week somebody sent this oh, oh. but i i didn't get to it and i i liked it Assuming everyone's healthy, would a team made up of the players on the non-playoff Canadian teams, uh, he asks, would they be cup favorites? How far would they go? If you could make a super team out of the five non-playoff, Edmonton, Vancouver, Calgary, Ottawa, Montreal. This is Terry Kelly who asked this question via Twitter.
1: Edmonton, and Ottawa. I, I spent
2: way too much time thinking about it. Because on the one hand, you'd have a killer like top two lines. You'd have McDavid, Gaudreau, I feel like your D would be terrible. The D wouldn't be good, and you and you don't have you don't really have a goaltender unless you trust Carey Price. So you have,
1: so you have Carlson. Shea Weber's hurt, so he can't play. I mean, yeah. who would your who would
2: your top your, four D be? It, it would basically be Carlson and the Calgary D, I think. Oh uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, the Calgary guys. Uh, but even that, I mean, that's their second pair is getting caved in this year. So so your your blue line would be questionable. Like I mean it, it would be a very good team. I don't, I don't know, know if it would it. be. Would
1: it? I think they'd Cuz like I mean, the, the the issue is the, like, the injuries for a lot of guys. Like they were all healthy I could see it, but like you know, you're not going to have Max Patrietti. Well, but you have
2: yeah, and this is where you have to get it's a little strange because it's you know, mysteriously teams that miss the playoffs everybody seems to get hurt and shut down, whereas mm. all the teams that are still in the playoffs are healthy. But like yeah, no, you're right. There'd be a lot of guys missing. Like would Sean Monahan play if it was the playoffs? Yeah, yeah. Like you know, would would Pacioretty be playing? Would whoever else? But yeah, I don't. Yeah, I I just I spent like kind of way too much time sort of thinking through like what the lines would look like and I uh, and and I feel like you get a pretty good team out of it. I'm not sure you got a cup favorite. No, which is kind of sad because you got five teams you're combining. <laughs> I think we would come down to goaltending. You need you need Carey Price because. The uh, I don't know, other than that Mike Smith is your backup. Mike maybe? Smith and yeah. Cam Talbot having a bad year. I don't know. It's content. I like that. It sounds like a column. Yeah, it is. I just wasted it on thirty <laughs> second <laughs> podcast discussion.
1: But, uh all right. You got anything else before we wrap up? You got anything anything burning inside you? Anything you wanna throw out to the people?
2: No, I just uh it looks like my sports net post for the week just went up. Uh happy anniversary Dave. I know it's a big big day you have marked in your calendar. Mm-hmm. Today is the twenty fifth anniversary of Doug Gilmore breaking Daryl Sittler's team record for scoring. Man, I was just talking about that with the with the my barista at Starbucks on the way here. And, Every, and everybody she, is. She was just so like, yeah. I have, uh, because, because Toronto Maple Leafs don't get a lot of media coverage, I thought That's, we should uh, we should shine a light on them and uh, just to spend a lot of time writing about stuff that happened 25 years ago. Tremendous. I don't know what I'm writing about this week. I was thinking
1: about writing about some baseball stuff, but I think I'm going to write about hockey, and I just need a... I'm. I'm. I want. I want the playoffs to start. I want to start doing playoff preview stuff. I'm. I'm bring, really pumped for the playoffs. Bring the anger.
2: You've been on a roll lately. With the I have been crankier the, than usual. The, the, the GM meetings column was was gold. The, oh, the broken NHL. Oh, the GMs. God, find can. something. I'll find
1: something, and you can find us. well oh, what a segue! On Twitter at Vice Biscuits. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on probably all the other ones too. I don't even know the the Stitcher and the the Potter and the the caster and the cast potter whatever those apps are i don't even know what they are so yeah that's it for this week we'll be back next that's week it. at a different time right because yes. uh we, we, we'll we, be back later in the week next week yeah like thursday right we're doing it thursday thursday thursday, yes. thursday or friday next week we apologize for the delay but we're just going to build up the anger more so it just releases in a more steady stream on thursday and friday so yeah that's it that's it for us and uh, thanks for thanks for reading the podcast and we'll see you next week see ya